You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, good morning, Living Way Church. I love this church already. It's been years, Ted, since I've been. Man, you guys just walking around, meeting everybody. What a great community of people, man. You guys are incredible. Uh, I love what God is doing through Living Way Church. Uh, Ted and I hung out at the Striper concert the other night. We're, we're going to age ourselves a lot today, and it was great. But uh, I, I told somebody before the service, even more fun than the Striper concert was getting caught up, conversation, knowing what our journeys have been like. And I, I'm going to, before I jump into the message this morning, I'm going to do this. And, and Ted and Nicole, they wouldn't like this, but I'm going to do it because I want to brag on your pastors. Uh, I've, been minist- I've been in ministry all my life, been a part of ministry. I grew up as a preacher's kid. So I've been in church all my life. I've seen everything there is to see. I've seen church that were deacon-possessed. I've seen everything. You know, I've seen church committees. I've been a part of church committees. I've been, I was in youth minister 15 years. I love just hearing the youth announcements. Man, Ted, that makes me miss youth ministry. Uh, I want to, can I go to youth camp? Yeah. Okay. And get a taco. Yeah. So, okay, we're good. But I, I so church is, is, can be, Church, doing church can be a challenge, especially for pastors, especially for the people, uh, the, the staff, the people behind the scenes making church happen. And I've watched over the years Ted and Nicole uh, pour their lives into this ministry. Uh, and I, I just want to say that you've got an incredible leader who loves Jesus with all his heart, who is committed to live in Way Church, but more than any of that, he's committed, uh, him and Nicole are committed to the kingdom of God. And that is what makes the difference. Because I guarantee you, if we got Ted and Nicole back up here and we did a little improv interview, there would have been more days than not that they wanted to quit, that they wanted to give up. I've done church planning. Church planning, you wear about 9,000 hats and you don't like any of them, but you've got to do it because you've got to, and look Living Way Church, here you are, these years later, still worshiping God, still going, still reaching the community. We're hearing announcements about exciting things to come. That's awesome. Amen? Amen. So, Ted and Nicole, thanks for being an example. Thanks for doing what you do. Uh, it's been a blessing. Now, I'm going to get a little more personal than that. Ted mentioned how, how we go back a, a long ways. I told you we're going to age ourselves about 100 times today. So I love, I love Ted and Nicole. I love their spirits. I love just being around the guy. The guy's contagious. Nicole, she's just that smile. It just gets you, man, no matter where you're at. You just feel great being around them. And I love that about them. I, I was excited, again, to come here and just to be around them. And I was more excited to get here this morning. And as cool as Ted is and hip, just to see that he wasn't wearing skinny jeans, I mean, just completely, we're on the right track this morning because that could have really changed the course of things. But on a personal note, you know, the days that, that I, in my own spiritual journey, and this is true, I'm not, this is from the heart this morning, the, the days that I have griped and complained, and we're going to talk about that this morning, we're going to talk about story. Uh, the times when I've complained about certain things in my walk or how certain, certain things happen, I've watched this couple navigate life, and the journey that Ted went through health-wise a few years ago was just, I can't describe in words how inspiring that journey was. The videos, his daily approach to life, the way Nicole and the girls rallied around him, the way their families rallied around him, and, and today is a miracle over here 
in a, in a testimony of God's goodness and greatness. Amen? So I'll just sum that up to say you're in the right hands. You're at the right place. I look forward. Uh, we, we, over conversation, I think we could have, we literally had to stop talking and get to the show. But I, I had so much fun hearing what uh, Ted's vision for the church their future, your future, what, what, what's coming down the road. And I look forward to watching on, on social media and seeing the groundbreakings and new things happening and the community reaching uh, just a, a greater amount of people. And I, I'm excited about that. You be excited because it's going to take you. Uh, we're going to talk about it. It's going to take your efforts. It's going to take everything you've got. And, you know, that means a lot of things. That means finances. That means time. That means volunteering. That means service. That means sacrifice. But it's going to take your prayer. It's going to take 100% of your heart. And uh, you're going to see mighty things happen. I'm believing that. At the end of the day, whether it's a concert at Living Way Church, whether it's Sunday morning church services, whether it's conversation over coffee, lives are going to be impacted for the kingdom of God. And that's exciting to me. Amen? We're going to talk about story this morning, and you're going to see this title on the screen, Born to Rerun. Now, it's kind of an ode to my childhood and my love for rerun television. I told you we're going to age ourselves. Shows like Good Times, Welcome Back, Carter. It's also a a representation of the last chapter of, of this book where I talk about something that happened in my life that made a significant impact. We'll get to that in a minute, but I want to I read you the scripture that's going to be kind of the foundation of what we're going to talk about this morning. You guys ready to go? Let me tell you a little about me. I just, we're going to have just a conversation this morning. Let's just pretend we're in our man cave, and I, I'm, an, I'm an influencer and a motivator by nature. That's my giftings, and so we're, I, 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 I take this place with humility and I am just doing life with you. I'm nobody special. I, I'm pretty handsome, but other than that, I, I'm nobody special. I'm just, we're together. We are navigating life, okay? So can we do this? So I've been reading again through the book of Psalms, and uh, it's, I love the book of Psalms. I love the heart of the psalmist because the psalmist, they navigated life. And, I, and, and that's where I'm at right now. I need encouragement. I've got a lot of questions. I want to know what God's going to do next. I'm navigating struggle. And in the heart of the psalmist, this resonates. And I love that. One scripture, you can hear the pain. You can feel the emotion. The, and like I said, the questions, the uncertainty. And all, with all of that, at the end of the day, the psalmist returns to the Lord you know, and says, Lord, you know, at the end of the day, maybe I won't have the answers that I'm looking for. Maybe I, it's not going to end up the way I would like it to end up, but I'm going to serve you and I'm going to keep pressing on. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I stumbled across Psalm 7, 1 again. And out of the message, it reads, God, God, I am running to you for dear life. The chase is wild. God, I am running to you for dear life. The chase is wild. I want to read you something. I've been asked over the years how I stay so energetic and zany in life, and my answer is always the same. I refuse to let society's pressure to be successful steal away my childhood imagination. Sadly, this has happened to so many in the name of adulthood. That's why I still have an Indiana Jones shrine in my office to this day. That's That's a true story. Uh, As the days turn into years and the birthdays come and go, the joy that once was driven by imagination becomes enslaved to obligations. Our maturing is really a masquerade and our disappointments lead to compromise. We put on shows to impress those around us and hide behind masks of unfulfilled dreams. Now our pretending is no longer about our childhood imaginings, 
but a rigorous climb to social status. We all do it. We pretend everything is okay. We pretend to be happy when stressed, in control when under pressure, and advancing when in retreat. At what point in our lives did the change happen? At what point did we relinquish our dreams, and where had the wannabe superheroes gone? The change happened the moment we felt it was silly to believe in the impossible. And I want to talk about this morning. I told you we're going to talk about story. We're going to talk about God's story. We're going to talk about my story. And we're going to talk about your story and how they come together in the bigger picture. I love this scripture from Luke 137. You've probably heard it before. It's a simple scripture. It's a good one to learn and memorize, keep in your heart, because you'll need it more times than not. It says simply this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that? For nothing will be impossible with God. So let's talk about the story. Life is a collection of stories that we owe to the people around us. I believe that. You have a story, and your story means something in the bigger picture. Your story means something than more what you're going to see and witness and experience. Your story literally makes the difference to the person sitting next to you, to the people in this room, to the people outside these walls, in your community, in your neighborhood, on your job, at your school. Your story matters. And the cool thing about this, I want to brag on God because I love what we have in Christianity. I love what we have in a relationship with an almighty God because there is a story, and it's God's story. And the beautiful thing about our relationship with God, this relationship thing called Christianity, I'm I'm, I'm intentionally not using religion, but then this relationship thing called Christianity is that God has invited us to be a part of this story. Isn't that cool? You look at a lot of things going on in our world, a lot of religions, man, it doesn't take long. I know with getting older, uh, man, it's, my wife tells me all the time, just, what is it with the AIDS thing? You just start watching, you know, you're watching things and then the news, you start spending a certain amount of time watching the news and the weather. It's happening, man. I got to stop that. But my wife tells me all the time, turn off the news. It's just discouraging. I mean, I, I don't have to give you illustrations. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not uncommon in everyday life to turn on the news and something's happened significant in our world. Nothing's changed. There is still a God who loves us, who's the creator of the universe, who died and gave his life for you, and there is an enemy who comes to steal it away. It's the same story. It's just a new chapter. But the beautiful thing is that God has invited us and you. He's got, in the beginning, you guys know that Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And boom, here's this story begin. And through these amazing chapters that you read in his word that he blessed us with, you see him pulling out. He's encouraging us and he is communicating to his people that he loves so dearly is you are this story. You're a part of this story. Psalms 138.8 says this, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Another psalm. And I want to challenge you with your story this morning. And in doing that, I'm going to challenge you some, for some, uh, from some chapters in my own story. And, and, and before we do this, before we go there, I want to tell you, I'm a firm believer in this. Now, we know John 14.6, Jesus declared, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 8, 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. What a great weekend to talk about freedom, amen? Not just freedom in our nation, but freedom through knowing Christ. Truth, I believe this. This, this, may, this will resonate with your heart. Truth is not complex. 
It reveals itself in the simplest of circumstances, ordinary life experiences that are essential parts of the story. I firmly believe this, church. Our God has not made things complicated for us. I believe God, with intentionality, in, in starting this story, his heart was not to say, okay, let me throw all these obstacles in people's way. Let me trick things up. Let me make it challenging for people to love me. God is love. He loves us, and he has made it. Truth is not complex. We know the truth, truth personified through Jesus Christ, and it sets us free. That's it. You know what makes con- things complicated? You do. I do. <laughs> People, human beings, we complicate things. But truth is not complex. And I believe God has made the story where we can easily be a part of it. And our stories, and the person's story sitting next to you becomes a significant part of tomorrow and what God is going to do, all right? So let's, I want to challenge you from a few things from my own personal story. Let's rewind for a little bit to, to 2011, I was out in my yard. I was doing uh, uh, just man things. I, I was holding a big lumber thing. We were getting ready for my son, my oldest son Chase's graduation from high school. And I was outside and I was carrying a board. And I remember that I rounded the corner in the garage and my cell phone rang. And I picked it up and it was my son's Caleb, our middle son, who is now in college uh, at uh, Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction. Uh, and he, his face was on the phone, so Caleb was calling me. He had called me about an hour earlier and said if he could ask if he could go straight from school over to a friend's house to play. So, so I, I grabbed the phone and I picked it up, fully expecting for my son's voice to be on there. I'm holding a board, a huge board, and I, I, I answer the phone, and, uh, and the, on the other end was this frantic girl's voice. She could barely talk. She was sobbing and crying, and all she said was, Mr. Hardaway, uh, Caleb went under a car. And as you can imagine, there was pause, and I said, what? I could barely understand her because she was just, uh, uh, just ecstatic, and it was just chaos. And she said, Mr. Hardaway, Caleb went under a car. Long story short, my son had gotten rest, run over by a Nissan Pathfinder. He was hanging on, being a typical teenage boy. The window was rolled down the passenger side. He had his arm hanging over the window, and they were driving through a park, and he was skating and fooling around on the outside. As you can imagine, his girlfriend was sitting in the passenger seat. So he was just being a teenage boy. His, his feet caught the ground. It threw him under the car, and the rear went, wheel went across his, his stomach. When we got to the hospital, it was like CSI. You could literally, there was like a Michelin tire print across his stomach. So the emotions, is, of course, my wife Tanya was, was frantic. We were, all, all I wanted to do in that moment, nothing mattered. The, 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 the garage door being open, uh, the, the, the security of the home, nothing mattered. I wasn't thinking about tomorrow. I wasn't thinking about finishing the deck. I was, I want my son right now. I need to be with my son. So I opened the door and yelled out to my wife, and we frantically got in the car, got to the, got to the hospital, checked on Caleb. The, the weight of the, the car had pushed on his stomach and blew two pinholes through the top of his lungs. Uh, and so all the reports, were gathering things. The doctors are giving us reports, uh, as you can imagine, the emotion. I'm not going to go into all the details, but we, we navigated that, and it was trying. That part of the story was a challenge. You ever been there? You ever had one of those days? I remember going 
The day after it happened, going, uh, I had to run to the house and get some things, and we're going back to the hospital. I remember driving through the, the, this drive-through window at Starbucks and getting a, a, getting a coffee for my wife and I. And I remember the girl, and, and I look back on this now, and it was probably kind of mean. I wasn't trying to be mean. It, it, it was in my heart. But she said, hey, how's your day going? And I just, I don't remember my exact words, but it was basically like horrible, you know. And I just told her briefly what happened. And again, this is just a girl. She's just trying to give me my coffee, you know. And I just, in a glimpse of the moment, told her what happened. And she, you know, of course, her countenance sunk. But it was the moment. But I, wanna, I don't want to end with the bad note here because the truth is today, my son's in college. You know that? He's a walking miracle. He'll tell you that he beat up an SUV. We'll tell you <laughs> that he's a miracle of God. But that part of our journey taught us so much. That was in 2011. Let's rewind a little bit more to 2004. I was in full-time ministry. Uh, Ted, Ted and I had a lot in common in what we had done in, in, in ministry with a lot of our creative stuff and music and had shared, I had done youth stuff together in the past and shared ideas, watched each other, what we were doing. And uh, I was at my office one day just doing youth pastor things, just out of working on a Wednesday night service. And I remember sitting there and just this, the Holy Spirit just arrested me. And I realized that I was working to be satisfied. I just, there was, it was a conviction. And I, and I looked at my life and the, the Lord just spoke to me. You're not doing any, there's no room in your life for adventure. You're not taking any risk. I was working to be satisfied, just to have a good ministry, the wife, the house, the car, the kids. That was it. And man, I did not, I, that moment was very unpleasant for me because I've always been an adventurer, adventurer at heart. And, I, and when I realized the magnitude of that moment, when I was doing nothing, nothing in my life that could, could put me on the edge where God could do something incredible in my story, there was an emptiness. Long story short, uh, we, we moved to Colorado. Uh, we had some friends there doing a church plant. That's where my church plant uh, experience came from. Uh, some friends we had met in Bible college, they, we hadn't talked to them in years, and they said, hey, we want you to come up to Colorado. We consider coming up and being a part of our team to help with this church plant. Had no idea. Born in Texas, the great country, never imagined that I would leave, didn't want to leave. I love Texas, and, uh, but I've always loved Colorado, and, uh, and we kept putting it off, putting it off. Tanya said one day, we got to give them an answer. So we, we took the kids up on vacation spring break 2004, fell in love with the city, and knew in our heart, that God wanted us to go to Colorado Springs. Sold the house, sold the car, moved there without jobs. I look back at it now, I was stupid. You know, what was I thinking? But we went in obedience. We went because God said go. So we went and, and, and uh, we had a little bit of money from the sale of our house to live on for a few months. The money began to run out. Uh, and I paid, I paid off all our debt. We'd always wanted to be debt free. We moved to Colorado, fresh start, here we go. Didn't take long f to realize that God sent me to Colorado. There were things that my family uh, learned in the journey to that was for them and is still for them. But God basically took Jim Ed to Colorado to say, you've preached it for all these years. Now we're going to see if you can live it. So I was in ministry life. You know, ministry life has a lot of flexibility. So your wife, your kids, you need to step away. You need to go do this. You need to do this. I went to, I'm not going to go to all the details. We could talk all day. But I went to, I couldn't get a job. Two months went by. I applied at all these places. The money was running out. How many know your kids want to eat, you know? And, uh, and I started getting really scared. 
I applied for these places for a job that I felt I was more than qualified for and it could never, never happen. I, I started getting really scared. Then I started getting mad at God saying, God, we, look, obedience, we did exactly, we gave up everything and here we are. No, when's it going to happen? And it wasn't happening. And then I started feeling like, man, I need to go back to Texas. <laughs> not that that's not a bad thought. I think that most every day. <clears throat> but I, uh, this fear started taking over, and it started damaging that obedience. The whole reason I had made sacrifice and we had stepped out in faith, this fear began, began to come, become a sin because I began to get mad at God and distance myself. Long story short, I finally, out of desperation, I was driving to a job one interview, and it was at Compassion International. And I had, had some, filled out some applications, had some interviews, some things that didn't work out. And you know the typical drill, you know, hey, yeah, we'll call you and let you know. I'm driving to Compassion, and I'm literally pouring out to God. I'm like, I need a job today. And not tomorrow. I need to, please, Lord, let this happen. I'm in an interview. Everything went good. The lady with the HR person stepped out, and they came back in the room. They said, we normally don't, don't do this, but would you like to have this job? And I, I stayed real calm, as you can imagine. Why? Let me pray about it. No, that's not the case. We took the job. We were excited to get it. And thus our adventure, adventure began in Colorado. For two years, God stripped me of pride. That part of the journey was for Jim Ed. Remember what I told you? God told me, you've, you've preached it for years. Now we're going to see if you can live it. I got the job of Compassion. It was an entry-level job. It wasn't enough to support a family of five. I got a second job at Best Buy. So I went from a ministry life, which is great, with the flexibility and doing what I had done for all my, you know, I've been in all my life doing what I knew so well to completely starting over and so much fear and uncertainty. And I went from work and I, was, I found favor with my boss at Compassion. I was working 50 hours. We were at a growing spurt at Compassion. I was working 50 hours a week at Compassion and 30 hours a week at Best Buy. I was working 80 hours a week at two jobs. I did that for two years. And let me tell you, church, I was not happy with God. I I'm going to be real transparent with you, and I hope this resonates with you. There were mornings that this preacher's kid, this guy who grew up in this church, this guy that's walked with God most all of his life, I was slamming my fist on the steering wheel, and I was cussing at God. Seriously. I was so mad and upset. I couldn't believe it. I was tired. I didn't see my wife and kids for two years. I had to be at work at 530. I didn't get home until 1130 at night for two years, and I was mad. But I remember on those same journeys, ironically, through a, a, an area called Black Forest. I remember getting to compassion, and by the time I was there, I'd be in tears. Just saying, God, I don't want to quit. I don't want to give up. There's a purpose. There's a reason. There's something uh, that you've brought us here for, and I want to be faithful to that. So now let's rewind a little bit more. Can we do that? To 1985. <laughs> and something significant happened in my life, and it wasn't seeing the DeLorean time machine at Universal Studios. Although, if you know me and the kind of guy I am, this was huge, man. The year the movie came out, man, there I am with the, the A car, the hero car. It, this was fantastic. I love my parents to this day for taking me there. But it wasn't this, but it was more this next, next image. It has to do with this next image. I was on the cross-country team in Van Vleck High School, Podunk, Cow, Cowtown, USA. Can you guess which one's me? The one all the way on your right in the shamefully short, ungodly shorts. I don't know what I was thinking or what. Thank the Lord for this period in time. But I'm looking over here at this guy, and that's, that's doable. These guys are, you know, obviously, I don't know. This is where the journey began. This is where all the whimsical stuff happened. Uh, so what, but, 
praise the Lord that the, the, the shorts were not, uh, are not uh, what's so significant, but the, the two socks definitely were. So this was, uh, we're going to talk about this picture for a minute. So in 1984, I was on the football team. I was pretty fast. I was starting wide receiver for our football team. And we had, a, we had an experience, we had something happen one day. Uh, where uh, we, we, there were two guys, me and another guy, we were really small for our size, eighth grade football team, so the coach would play us on the seventh grade team, which was, was against the rules, and, and, but, but we would pass the seventh graders. So I remember one time we were going out for this kickoff, and, and we went out, and the, and the, the opposing team, and I, I wasn't in the back of the receiving team, I was kind of in the middle, and I remember they kicked the ball, and the ball came to me, and it kind of flipped around on the ground a little bit, and I grabbed it, and instead of taking off running, I just fell on it. I don't know what was going through my mind, but I just fell on it. Well, the minute I did that and the whistle blew, I, re- I could hear my coach from the sidelines screaming at me, hard away, and just cussing me and yelling at me. And so I get to the ground, and you remember how coaches do? They grab you by the face mask, and at the same time, they're slapping you in the back of the helmet on the other end. And I mean, he was just chewing me out and shaking me by my face mask, and I was embarrassed. I remember some of the cheerleaders laughing and some of my teammates going, what, what were you thinking, man? And, uh, and at the end of the day, I was so distraught, so upset, that on the bus, I quit the football team. I was so mad at my coach for, you know, I felt embarrassed, I felt humiliated, that I told him, I'll quit, I'm done. Didn't take long, I love football, I'm a huge football fan, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, and it um, didn't take few, uh, too many days to go by to realize there were a lot of regrets, like, man, I just quit the game I love. Uh, so I was very disappointed in myself, so I wanted another chance, have you ever been there? I wanted another chance, so I got a chance to run again, or to rerun, if you will. So I joined the cross-country team towards the end of the year, and uh, you know cross-country is two-mile races through jumping trees and through ravines and through the woods, and yeah, I can do this. It's going to be fun. So our training every day for the cross-country team was our coach literally from our small school. There was this railroad tracks a few miles down the road, and he would say, lace your shoes up, put your short shorts on, see coach's instructions, and run to the railroad tracks and back. So we would, we would, you know, I did that a few times and, and realized that this is, this is not fun. The Texas heat, I, I, this is too far to run. I don't want to do this. So me and my buddy Corey, who's not in this picture, there was a bridge right outside of town. I'm going to show you a picture of it right here. Right, right outside of town. And what we would do, we would run out of the school and start running down the road. And kind of we would slowly work ourselves. There was a pack of about, you know, six, seven, eight Eight, eight guys, and we would slowly work ourselves to the back. And when they would run, we would run off uh, on the side and go under the bridge. And we would just wait there until everyone ran down the railroad tracks, and we would just skip stones in the water and bust bottles and goof off and play. And when we, and we, we uh, realized that they were coming back, then we would come up and join the pack again. Now, now, our teammates weren't stupid. I mean, it wasn't like we were hiding this, you know. So, but for some reason, they never told on us. But that's, we did it every day. Now, if we're not running the road tracks, man, we'll just, it was more fun to play around under the, lit, the bridge. So guess what happened? The first cross-country meet came. I'm nervous, man. We get up there. It's, it's packed. This is a new thing for our school. There are a lot of competing schools. There. I remember driving down this country road and barbed wire fences on either sides. We're going out in the woods. And we pull up into this open area and park with the cars. A coach goes to register us and check us in. And, and, and when we move up to the starting line, and there's, there's about 30 guys or so, it, it seems like, in our pack. And we take off the gun sounds, and what did I do? Boom! That's a two-mile race. 
I took off running as fast as I could. And I'm running, man. You know, my short shorts are blowing in the wind. We don't talk about that. Sweatbands are flying. I'm running. I'm jumping logs, running through ravines, dodging trees. I'm in the top. I'm in like the first few people. I'm in the front of the pack. I'm looking back. Everybody's got distance. That lasted for about a quarter of a mile. Then the burn set in. My legs are screaming. I've run too fast. I've done everything that you're not supposed to do in pacing yourself in a moderate pace for cross country. I have blown it. So the next more than mile and a half, I slowly work my way back. I am just so exhausted and tired and hurting and miserable. I end the race almost dead last. Very bad. Last few guys in the pack. Why? Because I was hiding under the bridge every day when I was supposed to be conditioning and training and preparing for the race. So after that, I had a flood of emotions, as you can imagine. I had the, 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 the thoughts of quitting that begin to surface. Then something inside of me rose up, and I realized, man, I don't want to be a quitter again. And I remembered that moment with football in 1984, and I realized, man, I don't want that to happen again. So fortunately, there was enough determination in me that, said, that knew I needed to get this right, that I needed, I needed to finish this, I needed to do it well. So there was a guy on the, uh, on the team. He was in the picture. His name was Danny, and he was very good at cross country. He, he, he won races, and, and so he did the railroad tracks every day. So one day as we were running out, I, I ran up alongside of him, and, 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 I, and, and he told me something that would stick to me to this day, something that I would use in 2011 when my son got run over by a car, something that I would use in 2004 when we moved to Colorado. I went through that two years of tough times. Something I would use in more moments of my life than, than, than some of the stuff that I heard my dad preach. My dad's my hero. He's awesome th- growing up. But th- and this is nothing, this is nothing uh, revolutionary. It was so simple. But I said, Danny, how do you get to the railroad tracks? How do you do it? What, what do you do to stay, stay disciplined? And, I mean, he's still running. We're talking. He's, he's, he's going. He's, he's already accomplished. He said, you know what I do? I get out on the road, and he said, I don't think about running to the railroad tracks. He said, I think about running to the bridge. Yeah, the same bridge that I would detour down with my friend and bust bottles under. He said, then when I get to the bridge, he said, then I think about running to, to the city limit sign. Then when I get to the city limit sign, I think about running to that dead armadillo in the road 20 yards down. And then, and then before I know it, I'm at the railroad tracks, and I'm touching the tracks, and I'm turning around, and I'm going back. And, you know, it's kind of like a Forrest Gump moment, you know. I'm smiling, and I'm, I slowly slow down, and I'm thinking about it, and he pulls away. I, I told you it's not revolutionary, but... I began to apply it, and it worked. I began to just set small goals, and in and, and setting small goals and accomplishing those, I found myself accomplishing the bigger one. So the bridge, and, and let's talk about that bridge for a minute. Sometimes our inaction can impact the lives of others more than our action. Just because nobody ever sees it doesn't mean it's invisible to God. What action can you take to change this? What's your bridge moment? Maybe you're there today. Ask yourself that question. It may be the one thing somebody's been counting on. Remember I told you, we're not just talking about my story, your story. Your story matters to somebody else. And maybe your inaction is affecting others more than your action. It may be the one thing somebody's been counting on. It may also be that one act of disobedience that's been holding you back. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
How many times do we find ourselves living in the past? We are held captive by if only, had, uh, if only I had. We wallow in our failures or we are mesmerized by memories. Our today is paying the price of our yesterday when all along it was created to build our tomorrows. Your story matters today. What's your bridge moment? Are you ready to come out from underneath that bridge and run for the prize? Let's talk about the prize. I wrote this in my journal. I've had some recent challenges, and I wrote this in my journal not too long ago. As, as the Lord was, as I was walking through something, as God was challenging me on, on, on something, and I, and I wrote this down, and thinking about these, these moments in my life and my stories and the chapters, I wrote this. I refuse to give up to relinquish my dreams because things aren't working out the way I would have chosen. It's not about how I think the story should be played out. It's about how the most prolific author of all time has penned the ideal adventure for me, a journey so breathtaking it forges a crescendo of unforgettable memories that will forever be emblazoned on my heart. Now, that, that sounds flowery and big, but you know what? As I was writing it out, it was me saying, I'm, 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 I'm about to go under the bridge again, and I know God's got something bigger. I know he's got something better. I know my story is for a reason. And that's when began, God began to show me I was becoming prideful again. I was becoming selfish. Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. That's when I began to realize it's not just about my story. Remember, at the very, it's about God's story. I'm just a part of it. And it's not just about my story. It's about the, the stories of those who are around me, the people around me. And when I begin to see life like that, then that selfishness begins to fade. When I realize the story is just as important to the people around me than my story is, my own story is to me, that's when significance happens. That's when we want, are motivated for change and we want to do something. 1 Corinthians 9.24, you guys have heard this, another running uh, scripture. Do you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you win. So that takes being determined. Have a determination. I'm not going to be a quitter. I'm not going to hide under the bridge. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to wait. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, they're just kind of being, you know, maybe procrastinating. I've been guilty of this. You've been guilty of this. And, and, and they've, these words have come out of their mouth. I'm just waiting on the will of God. No, you are the will of God. You're not waiting on the will of God. You are his will. It's in doing something that you find the something you ought to be doing. Your story is not, it's going to pause. It's not going to come alive until you're just doing, you're serving, you're investing in Living Way Church, you're pouring out, you're, you're doing what you can do, and in that, God can speak, and that story is going to come alive. I'm going to show you this video. It's a few minutes long, but I want you to be, and, and, and some of you guys may, may have seen the story of Caleb Montgomery. I was walking through my living room, this is not even four weeks ago, and ESPN was on, and I walked by the TV set, and you know how the, sometimes there's documentaries, just, I love documentaries, the way they're staged, the way they're set up, it just caught my attention, and I stood there in my living room, I never even made it to the, to the chair, I just stood there and watched this, and cried the entire time, and this illustrates so much what we're talking about this morning, in the race we're running, in the obstacles we face, and in the coach we have in Jesus, that cheers us on along the way. Watch this. Kayla Montgomery, there in gold, is running the girls' 5,000 meters with her coach Patrick Cromwell looking on. Kayla, go around! 
Sub-17! You can do it, girl! Kayla is one of the best young distance runners in the country, but that's not why we're telling her story. For that, you need to begin Come on! where the race ends. I got you. Oh, oh, it's so hot. Here My legs. Oh, my legs. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? Please, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. I like notice a tingling sensation in my toes. It's like, mom, I can't feel my feet. There's this weird shock going on. I don't know what's up. Doctor visits and MRIs soon followed. In October 2010, the doctor called with the diagnosis. And when he said that he, <clears throat> when he said that Kayla had MS, I, um, I honestly lost my breath. She had to give up soccer, a contact sport, and instead turn to running and to a coach who believed she could still compete even with MS. But Kayla's experience while running defies any label. What do you feel? Nothing. It usually starts like in my toes and works its way up to my waist. It just stays like that throughout the rest of the run or race. With time, Kayla learned to pace herself. And gradually, that slow runner grew faster. First, making varsity then becoming its fastest member, then training full-time with the boys' team, then becoming one of the fastest girls in all of North Carolina. The whole time, she had one voice pushing her. You gotta get on the train! Go to the arms, Kayla, go to the arms! Good job, kiddo, photobomb. <laughs> and he, he pushes me, and um, I trust him with my life. And nowhere is that trust more evident than when Kayla crosses the finish line. Because she has lost the sensation in her legs, she's unable to come to a coordinated stop. I got you. Oh my gosh. Please. I got you. I got you. Oh me. I got you. Oh me. I got you. Oh my gosh. I got you. Please. I need it. Shh. It's okay. I need water so badly. It was also a little hard. You don't expect it, and then you're on the ground. You have to get back up, but everybody else is farther ahead. It's, it's hard. So, hey, you gotta get up. Hold her off! I, I knew she was gonna catch me if I didn't go then, so I just I gave it my all, and I sprinted fast as I've ever sprinted in my whole life. Come on! Come on! That is Kayla Montgomery of Mount Tabor. She will be your girls' 3,200-meter run champion. Yeah! We'll take yeah, yeah, yeah! I got you. No. you did. Oh, what a ball! I crossed that line and I was so happy. Help me! Help me! Please! Please! Help me! I couldn't have asked for a better finish or a better end of my uh, senior year. In the final race of her high school career, Kayla Montgomery finished the way she had so many times before into her coach's arms, and in first place. From Mount Tabor, Kayla Montgomery. To beat it, to outrun it, to know you got every movement out of those legs while you still can, 
that's why she's running. I just hope to run as long as I can and to make the most out of it as long as I can. When or if I'm not able to run at some point down the road, then at least I can look back and know that when I could, I gave it my all. If you need a Kleenex, just grab your neighbor's shirt there and pull it over. We can pretty much stop right there. Does that beautifully illustrate our journey in life and our coach, God, picking us up and catching us? Be determined. Take uncertain risk. We're going to move faster and close up. Don't be afraid to take risk. They're, they're the catalyst to destiny. Step out into uncertainty. I love the scripture in Psalms, Psalm 68, 8. Bless our God, O peoples. Give him a thunderous welcome. Didn't he set us on the road to life? Didn't he keep us out of the ditch? He trained us first, passed us like silver through refining fires, brought us into hard scrabble country, pushed us to our very limit, road tested us inside and out, took us to hell and back. Finally, he brought us to this well-watered place. Live in the moment. And the last thing is have a legacy focus. Ted said he, said he shared an illustration like this recently. But what's that baton, your story, what's that baton that you're going to pass on to your kids, that you're going to pass on to somebody in your life, that somebody's going to remember you by? What's your story? What are you building on? Today is about the journey. From yesterday comes the story. Hidden somewhere in between is a focus on decision and the power of grace that leads to tomorrow. When I get to heaven, that's the one thing I want to ask God. What is this thing, grace? How could you love us? How could you love us when we've turned our backs on you so many times? Psalm 78, 4, we will not hide these truths from our children. Here it is, the baton scripture. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Be the example. Lead. Influence others with your story. People will only follow leaders who bleed humility, authenticity, transparency, Honor, integrity, and excellence. These elements are the DNA of difference makers. God has made you to be this person. I want to read this one more thing to you, and then we're going to close with the scripture. I'm going to turn it over to Ted. And I want to challenge you with this. When did our lives become predictable and ordinary? What locked away your imagination? Don't you feel it too? That tugging at your spirit to dream again? Set your imagination free. Let your mullet down and choose to be unconventional. Travel to fantastical places, journey and discover again. Never be afraid to take risks, to face your fears and to embrace humility. It may at times leave you vulnerable and exposed. It will require you to be open and honest with yourself, to be true to the passion in your heart. It may even require you to stop wasting time under that bridge and start running again. You were born to rerun. You were born to have story. First Peter 4, 12 through uh, 13, then I'm going to pray for you. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this community of Living Way Church. I thank you for this people this morning. I thank you for this moment, God. My heart is challenged I don't want to waste time under that bridge. But God, I want to run for the gold. I want to run for the prize. And in doing so, Lord, I'm going to look next to me and find people doing the same thing, living their story. And together, we are part of your story, God, and that's what matters. Forgive us, Lord, for our selfishness. God, when we've gotten sidetracked, but God, put in our heart this morning a tenacity to leave this place as runners for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.